Bonjour, y'all. My name is Allison Saclou, and I'm the host of Allie in France. This is the perfect podcast for anyone thinking of moving to France, traveling to France, a lover of French culture, or a Francophile in general, which is my case. I will be having weekly podcasts, but if you want to be in the know about everything French, I urge you, I insist that you head on over to my Instagram page where I post daily recipes, travel tips, and interesting insights about living in and traveling around the French countryside. My Instagram is Sacleu. that's A-L-Y-S-A-C-L-E-U-X, that's at Sacleu on Instagram. I've also included a link in the show notes, so you can just click on that. Hit that subscribe button so you'll get the notifications when I publish our episodes. And if you subscribe, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode, Sarala. Side note, I didn't pronounce her name correctly in the episode, and I apologize for that. In this episode, Sarala breaks down her lockdown epiphany and how that led her and her family to move to southern France. Also, we get into the paperwork for moving to France and finding that it's actually a lot easier than it used to be. Sarala is a cookbook author, Instagram, food blogger, and influencer, and a lover of all things French. I'll include her Instagram handle as well as the link to her book that is live on Amazon in the show notes. Make sure to give her a follow as her pictures are impeccably curated and 10 times better than my own. So without further delay, here's our interview. Hi, Sarla. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Hi, Allie. Sorry about that. (laughs) No worries. Things are all, always get interesting once you install a new app on your phone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so how are you doing down there in southern France? Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's, um, it's definitely a lot nicer weather here than Michigan. So I'm happy I'm not in <laughs> Michigan this winter. <laughs> um. Is it like sunny outside or what's what's the weather like down there? Because here it's kind of like overcast. We get a little bit of sun, but I think we're I think we're about two hours away from where you guys are. And plus we're in the mountains. Oh, yeah, that will make a difference, um, especially being in the mountains. It's um, here. The weather reminds me a lot of like the southwest of the United States, mm-hmm. um, like Arizona and like Southern California. It's dry, like with very blue, blue skies and um, just very sunny most of the time. Um, and when it gets cold, it's, it's not too bad. Like it's still pretty comfortable. Yeah. To get, or I bet after those Michigan winters that you grew up in, you can uh, withstand a lot more cold than, <laughs> than <Yeah. laughs> maybe somebody like me from Florida. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine that would be tough. <laughs> so, so tell us a little about, bit about like the town that you live in or like what you're nearby, what's, what's it like there in your area? We are in a small town called Pézenas, which is one, about one hour from Montpellier. Um, mm-hmm. And Montpellier, as you know, is one of the biggest cities in France. Um, and it's, you know, in the South, like we are like South, like middle South. So, um, you know, you have Provence to the East, um, and Spain to the West, but we are like middle South of France, um, center South and Pezenas is a really beautiful town. It's, it's considered an artist town. So there are a lot of art artists and artisans here. Um, there's our, our, the street we live on is just lined with artist galleries and um, the artists will give painting classes and, you know, display their art in the windows. Um, there's like wooden toy makers here and um, like uh, special artisanal foods. Um, so it's, it is a very beautiful small town. Oh, wow. Have you, um, those art classes sound so Cool. And your little girl's lucky because, you know, she has this wooden toy maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
They're actually perfect for Christmas. Like walking past the wooden toy shop, it feels like you're in a little snow globe or something. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I know. It's like so the fringe towns here are so quintessential. You almost feel like a Hallmark movie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And they do such a good job at like decorating the windows during Christmas and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. just so tempting to go in there. I know it's it's so hard not to just it's so inviting looking here like you said it looks like a Hallmark movie <laughs> um, but it definitely this town has a Mediterranean feel too um, mm-hmm. like the, it has one of the best markets in the area people even in Montpellier will come to Pesnas for the weekly market um, and it's just amazing fruits and vegetables just gorgeous <laughs> um, so and it's a very big market so- every Saturday. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, because definitely our market here dies down in the wintertime because there's not as many as many tourists. Mm-hmm. But wait, how do you how do you spell the the name of your town just for actually so I can put it in the show notes and for viewers later also or for listeners? Yeah, of course. It's um P and then E with the accent. Um, Z-E-N-A-S. Oh, OK. I was thinking that, but I was going to say P-E-S, but okay, gotcha. Yes. That's awesome. So the the market, it's not just artisanal goods. It's like fruits and veggies and like butchers and things like that. Yeah, exactly. It's everything. The cheese mongers and the fruits, like soap makers. Um, There's clothes, there's um, jewelry makers, but the fruits and vegetables. Oh, and there's like a little flea market with secondhand clothes and stuff. Um, but the market basically takes over the whole town, um, the whole main drag of the town on Saturdays. So we buy almost all of our fruits and vegetables at the market. Oh, that's so good. And I bet they taste so much differently than the things you can buy in the grocery store too. Mm-hmm. They taste, um, it's amazing to me, like being in the Mediterranean, we forget. I'm like, we actually are so close to Africa. Um, you know, we're close to Spain, we're close to uh, Morocco. So they have, uh, fruits and vegetables from, from you know, even in the winter here, they have really nice produce. So it's been wonderful. Oh, yeah. I didn't even take that into consideration because, mm-hmm. you know, living in the States, I was so used to getting um, fruits and vegetables from, from South America. But mm-hmm. you're right. When I go to the grocery store here, like the, the bananas are from like um, Cameroon and so are mm-hmm. the plantains. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> We're lucky we have year-round yummy. Produce. I know it is. It's it's nice, and you can taste that. You can tell that I didn't travel as far. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I feel like so many times it loses its flavor, like the longer the journey. Yes. <laughs> so, um, what made like made you and your husband to to move to France? Like, what what was your inspiration? What did that look like? It's been a long time dream. Um, I've had this, I've dreamed of moving to France for over a decade. Um, I visited France for the first time over about 11 years ago, over 11 years ago. And I knew I wanted to live here someday. And then um, I met my husband and we came here together and he fell in love with it too. So um, we've, we always, we've been saying for years, oh, we're going to move to France someday. Um, And then during the pandemic, we actually had the time and the space to, to really look into that and to figure out how to do it. And then we, we took the plunge, so. Oh, what yeah. was the timeline like? Like, when did you guys start researching it? And then. Well, to, we've technically been, oh, sorry. Oh, no, um, no go ahead. We've been, re- we've been researching it for years. So in a mm-hmm. way, you know, it was a long time coming. We, we, we started researching visas years ago to see what our options were. But at the time, we didn't have a way to financially support ourselves in France. Um, and then we, I started working online teaching. And um, we, during the pandemic, we were able to build up a savings. And then we realized, like, hey, actually, um, I think we could actually do this now. <laughs> uh, because we knew that France had the visa option, the long-stay visa for, like, you, you're married to a French citizen. Um, mm-hmm. But for us we uh, the easiest option was to come here on a long stay visitor visa so it's basically like a a a tourist visa but long term (laughs) Um, but you have to get a you have to prove that you can financially support yourself and that you're not going to 
try to get employment in France while you're here. So that's, that's the position we needed to get to in order to move here. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure you had to show them like, you know, documentation of like mm -hmm. bank accounts and just like, you know, showing you're not taking anything away from a French citizen. Oh, okay. exactly. Yes. So, so for anybody thinking about moving here, that's, that's how you do the long stay visa, guys. That's the long and the short of it. <laughs> and nowadays, especially, I think this is like a golden time to move to France or move in overseas in general, because I think the pandemic even more accelerated online work, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. I, I, want, I want to believe that there's a lot more options out there now for working online. Of course. And, and it made it feasible for companies to actually kind of deconstruct themselves and realize that they don't need those big fancy office buildings mm -hmm. and, um, you know, lines and lines of computers and then people driving to work every day. I mean, they yeah. can be just as effective from home. And then it's... there's less pollution because there's not a drive. Exactly. You know, they, That's a good thing. Yeah. And they don't have a huge infrastructure to pay for. So, you know, it's actually, mm -hmm. it's actually better for everybody. <laughs> That's, that would be a good case to make to your employer, too, if you wanted to. Exactly. We're saving <laughs> the planet. Just let me work. Yes, exactly. Time. So, um, actually, how, how long have you guys been in France? We have been here about six weeks now. So, we are very fresh. Um, oh, we're still so figuring new. out everything. Yes, very new. <laughs> Yeah. So um, are you guys in the process of getting like a French bank account? Because I know that that can be like, actually a lot of expats say that that's like the most trying thing to do is to get the French bank account so that you can get mm -hmm. an apartment. Um, is that in your plans? Yeah, we have an ongoing saga with that right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> every day my husband's like, oh, well, th that didn't work because he's been trying different options. Uh, the, uh -huh. the conundrum is that it's kind of circular. We went to HSBC, which is um, an international bank, and they have branches in France. So we thought that would be our best bet. But we were told because we are staying in a, currently we're staying in a furnished kind of long-term vacation rental. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't count as being like actually here. The bank doesn't view us as actually living in France, even though we are. They view us as tourists. Um <laughs> So I <laughs> know. So they're like, you need to live in a, a, you need to show that your apartment is unfurnished, that you didn't rent a furnished like vacation rental, and then you can get a bank account. So we're like, okay. Uh, so we, but then, um, you know, we, we both know um, Stephanie, another expat lady mm -hmm. in France. She gave me a good advice about, um, she said, just, you know, open a HSBC account in the U.S., and then transfer, like open another account through that, and through your American account, open a French bank account. So that's what we're trying to work on this week. So hopefully we'll be successful. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, because I mean, you just have to, as far as being an expat and trying to get a bank account open in France, you just have to follow the steps that the other others have taken to get it done. Because uh, otherwise, like you said, it, it's a huge conundrum and, and you're going in circles because you can't get an apartment without uh, a bank an account. unfurnished <laughs> apartment <laughs> with, without a bank account in France. Yeah. But then the France French bank won't recognize that you yes. are living in France unless you exactly. have rented an unfurnished apartment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's very circular. So uh, hopefully by opening, we did we were able to um, open a online bank account with HSBC from France in America. We just opened it online, and that was actually very easy. So if anyone want um, wants to try that, that's an easy thing to do. But now we're working on uh, because the lady at the bank in France told us, well, if you if you had an existing bank account in America, we might be able to help you. So that's what we're exactly. in the process of. Yeah. Just cling on to that might. Might be able yeah. to okay, we're gonna we're gonna get this done. <laughs> exactly. So um as opposed to like living back in the States, um, what would you say you enjoy the most about 
France for the, you know, for the short six weeks that you've, that you've been here? What are you loving about it so far? There's so many things. Every day is like wonder here. Um, (laughs) As an American, we're not used to seeing old history. Uh, We just, we have history, um, obviously, um, especially with our native cultures, but we don't see it out in front of us um, like we do in France. So we just, we stop over, we like ooh and ah over every little door handle and, you know, the cobblestone streets. And like, for example, we go into the bank and in the States, the bank account has like that utility, you know, the bank has like utility carpet and like, you know, the white lights, just a very basic, like boxy looking place. Um, But here Mm -hmm. it's in like this old, old building with like cool cave tunnel looking things. (laughs) Um, And, you know, the door has like this... yeah, vaulted ceilings. <laughs> so even going to the bank is beautiful here. <laughs> I know I have to agree with you about that because I feel like so many times like in the state just want to build better, newer, faster. And we just kind of tear, we basically, we tear down our history. We tear down old buildings yeah, and exactly. and out with the old and in with the new. And then we kind of like erase our history in the process. Exactly. And but you made a good point. I think that is what we do love about it here. Yeah. Oh, I just said um, you made a good point about how we erase things. Um, I think we love that in France, you know, coming from America, we love that there isn't a need to always get something new to replace things. Um, And there's definitely a respect for older things here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like they're living side by side with their history. Mm-hmm. and so and then we get to also which is awesome and yes. I com- completely resonate with your with your comment about like doors and door handles and they're so much easier to photograph because sometimes like when you t- when you like get to you know the church or the chapel or the cathedral um, that you're trying to get to and you take a picture of it like it's just so immense and gorgeous mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't even do it justice but these doors oh, that that are like so old and ornate and like some of them have mm-hmm. spikes on them and some of them have weird handles and, <laughs> you, and they're so easy to photograph. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I take pictures of them, French people who are walking past, they always like kind of turn or like, what are you, what are you taking a picture of? <laughs> they do a double take. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like is she because it's just so place <laughs> yeah exactly they're like what is she because I, I think they you know when you grow up with that maybe you just kind of take it for granted um but mm-hmm. that's that's how much we don't have stuff like that in the states you know it makes us stop exactly I mean my husband even said so he because north of Paris and he's like I never went to the Eiffel Tower or when I was little, the first, I think he said the first time he came is like, um, like at a, his American girlfriend here, he had to take her there. Sounds like about right. Day, but do what? I said that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's so Parisian of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, what would you say? what would you say besides your besides the French bank account I mean have have there been any any other like ups and downs of of living here um that you've experienced uh actually the visa process we read a lot of kind of horror stories about it but we actually Uh found it much easier than we expected it was we we did we were very organized with our documents we were prepared um so we did our best to be um, organized and I think that did pay off because we got our visa very quickly and then when we got here um, we had to do instead of you used to have to go in and do things in person at the prefecture but now you can do everything online so that was really convenient as well um, so it, it's been pretty straightforward um, and even getting phones like we just went to uh, my husband I don't have mine yet um, because my phone it's not France's fault it's on the American side it's locked and I'm trying to get it figured out but um, you can just go in and get a sim like at a little vending machine in the mall here so it's it's pretty easy oh yeah that's awesome yeah it's not the the long be in the states mm-hmm. like every time you go to upgrade your 
your phone you're there for like three or four mm-hmm. hours it's like buying a car yeah, exactly <laughs> but, so but the the visa process did you you started it in the states and you just sent it into the visa processing center or did you have to drop it off at a french embassy what was that like so we applied online and then they gave us an appointment um, at our nearest consulate or visa center which was in chicago for us and then we went in person for our appointment. And what the appointment was, was just them going through all of our documents. They didn't really ask us that many questions. They just went through all of our documents and said, okay, you'll, you'll get your passport back, you know, within 15 days. Um, and that was it. And we didn't know whether or not we'd get our visa, but we got our passport back in nine days and the visa was inside. So that's how it worked. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, surprise, we accepted it. Yeah. <laughs> we did not sleep well that week when we were waiting. It was nerve wracking. Oh, did yeah. you guys already have tickets bought and yes. like a house yep. scoped out? Yeah, we had already signed a rental contract for our apartment here and we'd already bought our tickets. <laughs> um, our lease in the States was ending. So we were like, I don't oh, know if this works out. <laughs> oh my goodness. I guess you guys yeah. were like totally biting your nails. Yes, we were. <laughs> yeah can be a, a harrowing process but that's yeah. lucky you guys um you guys can do all the documentation online because at our prefecture here um we still go in person mm-hmm. I mean obviously like everybody's wearing masks and it's only one group of of like foreign nationals at a time um so and that they only foreign apart uh, foreign national appointments like on Wednesdays and Fridays so we always do it like tricky yeah we always do it like Friday afternoon at 3 p.m everybody left work Friday afternoon at 3 p.m <laughs> apparently that's a long time it's still, I know I was like they're gonna be like half asleep or somebody's gonna yeah like I thought it was gonna be a little bit more like hazardous to do but no they're soup they're they've been really efficient at our perfect tour that's we got great really lucky yeah great to yeah hear. yeah and then um and there was something that they forgot to tell us that we had to bring it was like like uh basically proof of my health insurance um that it wasn't on the list that they sent us but when we arrived there they're like oh do you guys have this and we didn't so um but they were super nice because we are able to download it on our phone and then just email it to their email address. And they accept oh, that's it nice. that way, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. It does seem like things have gotten a lot more digital here than in the past when we've just visited. Like I studied abroad here, so I have mm-hmm. kind of done um, a little paperwork in France before. And it seems like things have gotten more streamlined and digital. Yes, Thankfully, because <laughs> I'm not really good at keeping up with individual paperwork. I really like to have things scanned in on my computer. Yes, especially with moving a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly, exactly. Um, so when you did your study abroad, where did you do that? I studied in Lyon. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I was there for the summer. It was really wonderful. Um, my husband actually came along with me. Um, and he just stayed with the, like I stayed with the host family and he hung out with them during the day while I went to classes. So it was a great experience for both of us. And I think uh, it definitely planted those seeds too in moving here. Oh, so he wasn't hard to convince because he had already been. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so have you guys like uh, ran into any language barriers or issues since you've been here? Or have you navigated that pretty well so far? I was nervous before we came over. I've been studying French for years, but it, you know, the thought of actually speaking it gave me a little anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, I don't know if it's just because we're in a smaller town with less tourists or, or something, but people here are, are very nice um, and patient with my French. And I, I actually, I understand a lot. I can't speak as well as I understand. But mm-hmm. um, in general, it hasn't, there hasn't been anything major with the language barrier. And even when there's been a little misunderstanding, most French people I found can speak a little English. So we work it out, you know, <laughs> between my little French and their little English. <laughs> there's a lot of pantomiming involved. I've Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah pantomiming um smiling and not mm -hmm. calm can can go yeah, a long yeah. way <laughs> laughing even if you don't understand <laughs> exactly I know it's yeah. like when I'm at dinner parties with my husband and the French kids going really really fast after mm -hmm. like a couple of glasses of wine then I just have to laugh when they laugh because like I, they lost me on like we you know just <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can imagine um I'm, I am thankful that I don't know if it's this area but it seems like the, the French uh, the way they speak here is pretty slow but um, I haven't talked to anyone in like a social setting yet. It's been, you know, at someone at the bank or at the store or something. So they're speaking probably more formally than they would in a friend, a friend setting. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they start using slang, uh, bagnol, B-A-G-N-O-L, which means car. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Well, too. It's, I was like, what? like what does that have to do with a bath because I'm thinking of a bagnoir which is a bathtub oh. <laughs> so so yeah <laughs> I'll I'll have to invite you one for a couple of evenings or to come visit because um when the when they get going in their rapid fire French a lot of <laughs> words come to the surface that you didn't know existed before it's I that would be like a good immersion language experience for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we're like you we don't live in a touristy area and very mm -hmm. few people speak English and it's mm -hmm. I mean it's it's good for me it's it's what I mm -hmm. need um my mm -hmm. children are completely fluent since we've been here for it's almost a a year and a half, yeah, and they always make fun of my accent. My, <laughs> my, my son especially, because when you learn a language before the age of, I think before the, lang the age of eight or 10, um, you don't have an accent. So the eight-year-old is very proud, very boastful of his French that doesn't have He sounds just like a local. Nobody can tell that uh, he was born in Ecuador, raised in the States, and has only been here for a year and a half. That's amazing. He's going to work for the UN or something someday. <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> exactly. And he helps me with my pronunciation, too. So we'll read um, this. This is kind of helpful. We'll read children's books together, and he'll correct my French and my pronunciation. And oh. he's yeah that's nice I'm sure my daughter will she's only three and we do read children's books together but unfortunately she's hearing my French accent which is terrible so I'm hoping that you know when she starts school she can come home and teach my husband and I the proper accent <laughs> right oh that's so cute she's about to be three right so she gets to go mm -hmm. to school here soon I hope so we're working on that in the coming month um getting her enrolled so yeah yeah, yeah, just as long as you have, like, I think the vaccine for me was yeah. part, like, finding all of those, mm -hmm. but, um, and then just the French, the teachers and the school system here is just so, I mean, at least in our small town, they're just, like, the teachers are amazing, they're super, um, oh, you know, we've met with the principal a couple of times, and they always, like, go above and beyond to like make the kids comfortable and and make That's sure they're concerned yeah we got really lucky and I feel like since you're yeah. in a small town you'll probably have a similar experience like yeah I've heard that the school here is nice um, and the moms who I walk past the school and the moms who are there are usually very friendly so mm -hmm. yeah I'm looking forward to plugging in with that yeah so um can you tell us a little your project your um your food blog your um everything you do on instagram because i've seen the pictures and you look like such an amazing chef <laughs> thank you um yeah i so i've been doing it for a couple almost a couple years now um it was it started as a pandemic project um in the lockdown of spring like you know uh late winter early spring of 2020 mm -hmm. um i had 
we were actually living in China, but we had to come back because of the pandemic. So we just got stuck in limbo in the United States, living with relatives in lockdown. Um, so we had, I was a little stressed out and I needed some distraction. Um, and I loved, you know, French culture, but um, after going plant-based, I had kind of stopped cooking French food. So I was like, oh, this would be a fun lockdown project. I can try to, you know, veganize French cooking. So I went to the library before they shut down and just got a huge stack of French cookbooks. And I started veganizing a couple recipes every day. Um, and then I was very excited and proud about what I was doing. So I was like, this is amazing. This, is, this actually turned out really good. Um, so then I started an Instagram account and just started growing from there. And uh, about a year in, I decided I was going to write a cookbook because there isn't a lot of there are a lot of vegan French French bloggers, but there isn't a lot of um, vegan food, French food that's recognized in the English speaking world. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, you know, there's so many blogs um, by English speakers that are dedicated to French cuisine, but none of them um, really cover vegan French food at all. So I was like, I think there's a space for this and there should be because um, plant-based diets are on the rise and French cuisine is, is very popular. So I was like, they, these two can meet. Oh, um, of course. So, yeah. So I was like, there's not, a, there's no like English cookbooks. Um, there are vegan French cookbooks written in French, but there aren't really, there's barely any um, in English uh, on the subject. So that's, I, so I wrote a little cookbook and then um, moving to France now, that's that's my project. That's my goal is to continue um, learning and growing and sharing the vegan French world, basically. Oh, yeah, I know. And like you said, I mean, if other people, you know, they're they're vegan, they're wondering about how they can access French food um, and they just can't find any place for it. You provide plenty of recipes on your website. And I love that you made it mm-hmm. into a book. Because as much as I like looking up recipes on a website, sometimes you can get distracted <laughs> into doing yeah. other things yeah. or you get pings or notifications. And then all of a That's sudden, true. you know, 30 minutes has passed and you've been doing stuff on your phone, but you haven't like concentrated on dinner. But yeah. since you're offering this in a book format, then I can have by your side and, exactly. you know, you don't have to have to get on the phone for it or if god god forsake it the the internet goes out <laughs> you still yeah. have it with you <laughs> exactly there's something um old school and uh comforting about opening up a cookbook i do i book. love yeah. yeah i love paper cookbooks like i have a mm-hmm. mom and my dad like joy of cooking fanny farmer like the old school classics mm-hmm. and then i have mm-hmm. a couple of of my new ones as well but no I completely agree there's just something nice Mm -hmm. about about um having a book there what what's like your favorite recipe that you came up with that you veganized that you're like so surprised by Hmm. um I I am surprised by one of the dishes I really like that we make quite often actually um is custard Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a like kind of like a casserole almost of of mm-hmm. beans with various meats. Basically, I I consider it similar to like baked beans, um, but it has several different kinds of meat in it. And since it's such a meat heavy dish, I was well, I wasn't sure if it would be good uh, made vegan. Um, but it's it's actually still really good. I use mushrooms um, and truffle oil to give it this kind of rich, earthy, um, you know, quote unquote meaty flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's still very comforting and it's one of our favorites. It's pretty easy to make too, because it, when you make the non-vegan traditional way, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, it it's usually made over a couple of days, but the vegan version takes like an hour. So um, it's, yeah, it's one of our favorites in our house. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And I love using using mushrooms to replace meat because it just gives you mm-hmm. like something a little bit chewier, especially if you use Chewy, like, the, exactly. dried, the dried mushrooms that you have to rehydrate. Mm-hmm. Um, like those definitely give like a different mouthfeel to them. So do you do you soak the beans? 
to before you make it or do you just make it in a pressure cooker so it only takes an hour? To be honest, um, I, I in my cookbook, I in the recipe, I use dried beans. But mm -hmm. just being a mom, being busy, I quite often just use canned beans because mm -hmm. uh, I was like, it's easy and um, it tastes really good still. So why not? Uh, yeah. But traditionally, yes, it's made with you, you soak the dry beans and then then cook them um, with the vegetables and like spices or flavorings. Um, but I when I make it like just regularly in our house, I usually just use canned beans. Oh, OK. Yeah, so there's a trick. <laughs> Even <laughs> yes, use tricks sometimes. And what um, what about organic food? Do you like tend to buy organic produce when you go to the market, or mm -hmm. do you ask for it specifically, or is it kind of um, just like you you'll eat it if you can, if not, like no biggie. Uh, I think I try to eat it where I can and when I can, but I, it, I don't um, want it to become a stress factor in my life because the world is already stressful enough. Um, <laughs> and so I don't want one more thing to stress about because <laughs> that's not healthy either. So I'm like, you know, I, I try not to become obsessed with, is it organic or not? Um, it's just one of those things where where it's available, I will choose it. As, and if it's a good price point, I'll choose it. Um, thankfully, in France, they I, they do seem to be in general cleaner with their produce than the states, as far as pesticides go. So even the non-organic fruits and vegetables seem a little better here, um, and mm -hmm. and they do have a lot of organic stuff here. Don't don't you agree with that? I I'm surprised at how much bio, their word for organic stuff they have here. Yeah, pleasantly surprised because sometimes in the States, I feel like it's restricted to certain, like a cert, certain fruits and vegetables. But mm -hmm. if you want, let's see, like a, a bio, like organic celery or organic onions or organic mushrooms, those are hard to find mm -hmm. in the States. But like, there's always organic apples, organic oranges. Like, I feel like there's a, a larger variety yeah. in France. And also, I yeah. feel like there's a larger variety of vegetables in general. Like, I've yes, seen definitely. some really weird stuff at the markets, like like crunched up, like root vegetables. That mm -hmm. it, it looks like a worm. It kind of looked like ginger, but I couldn't really figure yeah. out what it was. And just, like, mm -hmm. all these odd fruits. All different colors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the, um, I can't even remember the name of it now, but. Um, but just things that like don't exist in the States anymore and they still mm -hmm. like fruits and vegetables and root vegetables that they, that they still use, use today. I think, yeah. Um, I, the grocery store, they're called like, um, the forgotten vegetables, like les legumes oubliés. So oh, like, interesting. even the French forget about them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're in the frozen fruit. They're in the frozen um, vegetable section, which I'll have to look for those. Yeah, yeah. And it's really easy to make a soup out of them. So basically, it's like um, butternut squash, potatoes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's it's fun to just to go even just to go through the frozen. Fruit yeah, the frozen fruit. section is amazing here. <laughs> it's Isn't um, it? Between like between the fresh fruits and vegetables and the frozen section in France, I'm like, as ironic as it sounds, France in a way is a vegan paradise. I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> and like how? How can France be a vegan paradise? But as far as like the availability of fruits and vegetables here, it's it's amazing. Um yeah. and, and just very affordable too. Like we get these like I think it's like a two pound bag of spinach for about a euro, which is no not much more than a dollar. Oh my um, gosh. yeah, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's such a difference. And, and it's actually, it's because you're looking for it that you find it because otherwise That's you true. Would have, nobody would think like, oh, it could be a vegan's paradise. It's like, you're in it now. <laughs> and so it's like easy and so accessible to find yeah, it. Yeah, that's all how you look at it. It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Perception is everything. So mm -hmm. as, as like a, as a uh, blogger as a foodie do you um like have 
like breakfast, lunch, and dinner on like on a pretty st- strict schedule now that the little one's born? Or yeah. do you? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do you sorry. just like eat when you're hungry or eat when she? Uh, we no, we are definitely big meal people, um, but we're mm-hmm. also big snack people. <laughs> we're just eaters. <laughs> in our family um (laughs) we are big breakfast people like a lot of people don't eat breakfast um but we we love breakfast in our family so we we do have three meals a day and um we usually eat big meals too uh and we yeah we usually eat around the same times too and then in between we'll have snacks um so we're kind of eating all day we're like grazers (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, well, I mean, also because like vegetables have less calorie in them than meats, like Mm -hmm. sometimes people, um, even when they're becoming vegan or vegetarian, they, they just don't estimate that, you know, you're probably going to need like three times the amount of food because, because um, vegetables are just less calorie dense. So it just makes sense that you have to eat more of them. They, it is true that um, animal animal products and animal proteins do keep you fuller longer from what I've noticed from going plant-based. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it was like, I was excited that that um, it, I wasn't as full because I was one of those people who loved to eat huge portions, but I would be worried mm-hmm. about it before. But now I'm like, I can just eat and eat and eat. <laughs> so for some people that's stressful, they're like, I have to keep eating. And I'm like, I get to keep eating. So... <laughs> And um, it's my job also. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you said that you guys love to eat breakfast. Like what is a, what does a plant-based um, breakfast look like for you guys? Um, we usually switch it up with lunch and dinner, but breakfast just to keep our lives a little organized um, and simple is all, almost always the same thing. Um, we usually do now that we're in France, it looks a little different. So we, we, we used to do Ezekiel bread in the States. But now mm-hmm. we do like a nice baguette um, with some nut butter, like hazelnut butter. And then they have really nice fruit j- jams here. Um, so we'll do that. And then we also do a, a bowl of a, a cereal. Um, they have really nice cornflakes and quinoa flakes here that have nothing else added to them. It's literally just corn and quinoa that are oh, dry. Wow. Yeah. And so we get those at just our Carrefour, the local supermarket here. And we'll make and we'll add chia seeds and like ground seed mixture, like flax and pumpkin to that um, mm. and some plant milk. And and we'll do like a big thing of fresh fruit and coffee. Um, some mornings we'll even throw like scrambled vegetables in with that. So we do eat pretty big breakfast. Yeah, definitely. And what's what's your favorite um, plant based milk here? Because I tried the rice milk the other day and it was super, super sugary. And I was Ooh. just like, I, I felt like it was like negating all of the the, ah. the goodness of it because it was so sweet. What do you what brand do you was guys it, like? Well, I was going to ask, was it naturally sweet or did it have added sugar? Um, I can't remember. Bought it at the local grocery store. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it was the B, like the Bjorg brand. It's like B J O R G. Yes, that, that's a big one. I, I, yeah. yeah, but I forgot to look if I I didn't even think to look. Would say like no sugar added, which would have probably been like yes. a better idea. <laughs> um, I do think with plant based milk, it's one thing like you do have to. We do really try to watch out for that because that can be like a sneaky little culprit. Um, is mm-hmm. they they can be if they add sugar, it can be. Like you said, it negates it. It's not even, you're just drinking sugar. Um, yeah, you're drinking so, sugar water. <laughs> so here, yeah. they And thankfully here, they do have a very big, surprisingly big selection of plant, plant-based plant milks here. Um, and you just look for the label that says sans sucre ajouté, um, mm-hmm. with no sugar added. But we've tried, um, they have almond, oat, um, hazelnut, uh, rice, soy. But we actually just tried the hazelnut milk. And it is so good. It's like, I feel like it's, and it doesn't even have sugar added, but it just, hazelnut in the States tends to be a little bit more of a luxury food or, you know, it's not as commonly used as here. Mm -hmm. So to me, it feels luxurious drinking hazelnut milk. (laughs) It's like a spa day. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I've been saving (laughs) up for this for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Plant-based spa day. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I did see, I have seen hazelnut in our aisles also. We come from, mm-hmm. uh, we're in such a small town that sometimes I'm, I'm ex- expecting not to find very much, but it seems that a lot of people can keep it stocked up here. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, in our town too, just how, how m- many options there are at the grocery stores here, even for alternative mm-hmm. diets. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, I come from a very small town in Florida and, um, you know, finding oat milk or rice milk or you know, outside of, you know, cow's milk, you're probably going to be pretty hard up to find mm-hmm. um, such extravagant quote unquote, extravagant mm-hmm. <laughs> items yeah. in such a small town grocery store. Exactly. Yeah. As far as like things that you use for cooking and things you try to avoid, are there any like ingredients that you that you like find yourself always gravitating towards when when you're making a recipe or cooking? Yeah, well, especially with um, vegan French cooking specifically, uh, I pretty much always use uh, like onions or shallots and then garlic um, mm-hmm. because not only are they traditionally used in French cooking, but with vegan French cooking, they definitely add a lot of flavor. Um, mm-hmm. Thyme is a big one too. Uh, you, you know, they used all kinds of herbs in French cooking, but I find if you're just, if you're traveling or you just, you just need, you know, you only need to use, you can only use one herb to add a little French flavor. I think thyme is a good way to go. Um, and uh, another- Do you tend to you, buy you, it- fresh or do you just have it dried um when I can find it fresh I love fresh uh I can't always find it though so Mm -hmm. um dried thyme does have a pretty strong flavor and does still work very well so I do use that a lot too oh and were you gonna say that you like well um just in general like cooking uh vegan french food having um like vinegars or, or wine um, on hand is, and, and some kind of like vegan cream alternative. If you have those ingredients, you can, you can make French flavors pretty easily. So I do try to keep vinegars and like wines so that I can add um, like a splash of wine to like fry some garlic onion and add some flour and then deglaze it with, with wine. And then you have like a kind of French feeling sauce um, mm-hmm. or if you have some coconut cream in the fridge, um, or even vegan yogurt, even oat milk. If you add that in with your sauce, then you can make like a creamy feeling thing. So just having some of those, those are some things I try to always keep. Oh, another one a really useful ingredient is smoked paprika because in French cooking, they use so many smoked meats, you know, like lardon and saucisson. Oh, I was and, wondering you know. how you were able yeah. to like reproduce that, like with maybe even yes. that smoky like flavor. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I know that like there's a liquid in the States that you can add like the smoked flavor, but I just felt mm-hmm. like it was so artificial. But I do love exactly. smoked paprika. I've used it. Um, yeah, I think I think I probably ran out of it because I used it so much. But yeah, I definitely brought it with me when I moved here. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did too, because I wasn't sure, but they do have it here. So um, I found some at Carrefour. So it is... <gasps> I find oh, that adding it, it in exist. right at the end. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I said. Oh, it does exist. I'll have to look. Yes, it does. <laughs> Carrefour. Car so I don't. Yeah, Carrefour. Like, ask my mom to send me a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, but you're saying uh, if you add it in at the end of. Yeah, I just find that adding the smoked paprika and the and at the end produces the best smoked flavor because it seems to get when you cook with it. And which I do usually, I do cook with it too, like add it in during cooking. But right at the end, it seems to produce the strongest smoky flavor. So, yeah, because I feel like there's some herbs that you can add that create like a really good base, like something like um, mm-hmm. uh, bay leaves. Mm-hmm. Like you can add those in at any time and it just gives That's a nice true. base flavor. But then there's other yes. things, like you said, like paprika. Yes. That, the need to or the the smoky flavor needs to be added um at the end so um 
so where can our listeners find you? Where do you, where are you most active? Do you have a website, um, Facebook page? Where are you? Um, I am, <laughs> yeah, I am most active on Instagram. Uh, mm-hmm. I am working on a website. I have a website, but I haven't uh, developed it too much yet, but I am working on that going into the new year. Um, but Instagram is the best place to find me. And it's just my name at Sarla Terpstra. Okay, and I'll definitely include include that in the show notes mm-hmm. so people can can reach out to you and get great ideas for for veganizing their cooking. Um, and then also your book, where is that available at? Uh, that is available on Amazon. I self published my cookbook through Amazon's um, publishing company, so um, as of now, it is only available on Amazon. Uh, I'm hoping also to get that onto more outlets in the future. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great place to start. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got your business going on Instagram, you've got your book Mm -hmm. on Amazon, like everybody's going to be able to find you and then you're just going to keep reaching and growing from there. So I'm excited (laughs) to to see it. (laughs) Instagram is a, a great tool and a great place to meet people like you <laughs> oh yeah I know and that's how I met you that's how I met yeah. um, Stephanie and mm-hmm. also our friend um oh my god I'm totally dry. oh my girlfriend Christina yeah <laughs> shout out Christina because actually she connected <laughs> us so yeah oh I know. <laughs> all right Sarla well um thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and I'm going to include all of your information in the show notes so everybody knows how to get in touch with you and, and get your book and follow along on in your amazing journey in the South. I'm so jealous. I think you have more sun than me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you so much, Allie. It's uh, been really nice talking with you. And um, I appreciate the opportunity to just to share a little bit about my little corner here. So um, thank you. Oh, our pleasure, our pleasure. Okay, take care, hon. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, we did. And if you like this episode, please don't forget to click the subscribe button. If you have a friend that would enjoy it, please share it with them. I know this is how I garner a lot of my information. If you have any ideas or would like to be interviewed on the podcast, please feel free to send us an email at transplantedtofrance at gmail.com or you can get in touch with me on Instagram, which I'll be leaving my handle in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening. Au revoir.